welcome to Forward Podcast episode 41, aka If I Was You, I Would Not Smile at Present Situations. Um, it's a fall showdown, all 525 songs going, etc., etc., into ultimate pileup, split into eras. Now, normally we do four, but we've been joined by a special guest who split it into five, so I'm going to go with his for tonight. Pre-bricks, bricks, dance, dark, and finale. Joined, as always, by Monsieur uh, Pippington B. Hard, stock refresher of locally sourced meat, and T. Pemberton Walker, a designer of all the information needed to create a logo just for you. Tim Trois, return to Takara steel blade in Desolus, uh, and I'm Treebeard's uh, the dragon, symbolizing supernatural power, wisdom, strength, and hidden things. How are you, Philip and Alistair? I'm very good, sir. I've been sunning myself in the garden this week. Oof. The chance would you've be a fine with, thing. With the fall again, whilst you've been in the, the garden sunning yourself, Phil. I've been, I've been treating the nervous to all kinds of stuff this week, including some stuff of WFMU, which I'm sure you'll be very proud of. The lucky buggers. Splendid. And joined uh, by a special guest, as I mentioned, Evan Whitson, who some of you might know from some discography videos of the fall that he posted recently, which I thought were splendid. Evan, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, thank you, mate. Yes, yeah, good, thank you. I appreciate that. But you know, because fall fans are horrible people and most of them listen to anything you say and they're like oh well, he doesn't know what he's talking about he's only like he's only like 20 or something he doesn't know what he's talking oh, yeah. about what <laughs> some of my favorite comments to read are one of the ones where they go i appreciate the work you did for your video but let me tell you the 50 billion things you got wrong and they have like a million paragraph comment telling me why everything i said was right they are always quite funny but you know you got to take it with some humor don't you yeah yeah of course we um make it as difficult as possible for anyone to say anything about our podcast so we've no idea what they think all right so uh, tonight we're gonna we're gonna have it's the new thing up against dice man uh, two face um i've called selfish up against butterfly for brains mad men ing something off marshall suite oxymoron uh, off light user black roof sublingual tablet and up against new facts emerge off uh, new facts emerge 2017 but before we crack on um evan what's your kind of uh, background with the fall are you a your casual fan or a big fan because it's quite a big a big endeavor to to review every single fall album yeah well the way i got into it was there was a band i was into already called uh sleaford mods and i remember reading a lot of their reviews and a band called the fall would crop up as like a comparison and i was like i've got to check these guys out if they're being you know if it's said that they're similar so i went and checked out i think it was witch trials and then nation saving grace and i ended up really really enjoying it so got into their stuff kind of vicariously through that and then sort of because i knew marky smith at that point had kind of a cult hero status yeah sweet well if you haven't listeners in listening line if you haven't listened to some of the videos go and have a listen and leave some nice comments on uh, on youtube <laughs> for a change <laughs> exactly so let's um let's crack on first with diceman uh, off dragnet 1979 philip do the honors if you don't mind I'm a dice man, I take a chance, ma, do you take a chance, ma?
Oh, well, well, Philip, as is customary in these things, I'm coming to you first. Dragnet, Dicemen, the year of our Lord, 1979. Yes, it's, I've really enjoyed this week, actually. I think it's a really nice slice of, uh, of fall discography to go through. I've, I've really, really enjoyed uh, some new stuff and, and like this one, an old classic, which it, it, it most certainly is. Um, I think it's a classic track from one of the most exciting bits of the fall career, really. Something that I think we're all uh, going to have some fondness for. I like the uh, the Captain Beefer twanging that goes on that sort of shifts eas- easily into the uh, possibly one of the first appearances of the Bo Diddley riff. That on its own got me thinking about how they use these classic R&B kind of riffs in the in the music and, and how they, they, they reinvigorate them with that punk energy, which got me thinking about how a band like Status Quo uses that dunga, 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 dunga sort of R&B bass line, uh, back, um, backing rhythm, and how different it is when The Fall picks up something like that to, in comparison to a group like that who would just be sort of classed as being totally cheesy. But this this... This snarls and growls this record. I think it's it's fab. I think when I first started getting into the fall and I heard lines like, Do all these musicians have a social conscience? I thought it was far more revolutionary than it than it actually was. Because it I think looking back at the fall career, it just sounds a bit whingy, doesn't it? About other musicians and bands and him sort of plowing that whole sellout kind of uh, sort of line, but it's still very funny. I was thinking actually when Evan mentioned before about the cult status of Marquis Smith, this is one of those songs where he he really puts the, the the sort of singer punk poet frontman as as like a Byronic hero, as as like the Ubermensch kind of thing, doesn't he? And it's he's very aggressive in the way that he puts that forward and points the finger, even at the fans of for not being dangerous enough in their choices. And that was that was the word that I kept coming back to when I was listening to this was dangerous. It feels dangerous as a record, even like big thumbs up for me. I love this tune. Yeah. But he's telling you he's dangerous over and over again. And that's always a it's always a bad sign <laughs> if someone's saying I'm mad. Look how mad I am. I give you the mad eye. <laughs> it's like, all right, you're <laughs> protesting a bit much there, matey. Alistair, what do you reckon? I reckon Phil's probably in the nail in the head with a lot of stuff there. Is it named after the book? I believe so. Is it kind of like on, on yeah, I thought that was the case. I can't remember who wrote it. It's a solid, uh, you know, hair bob diddly riff again. Solid performance. It's got that energy to it. Really good production. Considering it's like a post-punky year, it's not a very post-punky kind of sound, is it? It's just like them lot do, having a bit of fun. Solid tune. I like it. Yeah, it's punky and, and poppy. Now, Evan, when I was listening to your review of Dragnet, um, oh, no. you, you said what we've said a lot of times is about it's the production on Dragnet. A lot of people don't like it. And what I wondered is, out of context, just into this song by itself, I wondered what you what you made of it. Well, weirdly, I think this is probably one of the ones that suffers the least from Dragnet's production being as naff as I think it is. Uh, because I think it is just like a fairly high-energy track. I think it does have a very nice pace to it. The the riffing as well, like a lot of you have said, is quite nice. And I thought the drumming was quite good as well. I thought tonally it sort of reminded me of a bit of a weird sort of American sitcom theme tune for whatever reason. I don't know why that comparison came up in my brain, but I think as well, Mark has that kind of presence on some tracks that he has more earlier than later where he is the one sort of steering the ship and you can sort of really tell that with this one because he's sort of got that 
really sort of commanding presence to him that I think is uh, very effective. It's all right. I don't mind it at all. Yeah, it's nice. got that sort of garage punk feel to it. Reminds me a lot of yeah, yeah. that 60s sort of stuff like, where'd you start? <laughs> all those pebbles and, and nuggets kind of things, right? All those yeah. garage rock 60s things. It, things, man, that kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I do like <clears throat> lo-fi production on. I've got a bit of a thing for, for lo-fi. I would say it's not even in the top three of lo-fi productions this evening. <laughs> Maybe it's a, there's at least a couple that are they're they're the lower. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're trying to collect bodily riffs. If you if you do it three times, you you then get to own it. But it's it's a bit sinister version. I like I really like what they've done with it. And I was sitting listening to it, and I'd zoned out a bit, and that voice came in <laughs> my ear, like spoken voice. And I literally did jump round. He's he's burning his heart on his sleeve a bit more than he does with some. He's a bit more like he, he basically I'm a balls on the line, man. He's you don't normally get him saying it as things as heartfelt as that. Mostly he is just complaining about other people being slags and not not being authentic. He's got that get out though, hasn't he? Because it is a book and because he is referencing the character in the book. Yeah, yeah. He, he can kind of say, well, it's not about me, it's about that character, can't he? But it, I, I agree with you that it does feature what I think is probably his most amateurish lyric, which is that love story, horror story lyric towards the end of it, which I was like, God, did he really write that? That just doesn't feel like Rocky Smith at all. It's it's really juvenile, isn't it? And it's a bit sick form. Yeah, is it they say music should be fun, like reading a story of love. But I want to read a horror story. It is, it's not top notch, <laughs> Smith. <laughs> um, it's a good one. Let's see what did Ezra say about this one. So he's not bothered turning up. That's why I didn't say his name or say anything nice about him because once again, he's fucking done one. don't like him, really. Passed it's out beside like the offie or something. Dice Man. This one, this one was one of the many highlights for me on old Dragnet. I'll page shift it later, don't worry. I was mildly surprised at its beautifully concise running time. Punches over its weight. They say music should be fun, like reading a story of love. But I want to read a horror story. Me too, Mark. Me too. <laughs> what does Tim 3 think of this one? What does Timothy think? So Tim puts a classic chugger, pretty much perfect to be honest. A nugget of false sound, tiny, literate, and fully formed. Good book too. Good, good, good. And so let's move on to what it is up against, which is it's a new thing, which is a single from 1978. Yes, I see. Alistair, it's the new Hello. thing. Hello. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an old thing, isn't it? It's a very old one. It's it a now. very early call. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of the sort of stuff off, uh, you know, the Electric Circus EP, you know, the Lost Order's Stepping Eggs. It is that era. It's got the pace to it as well, which gives, gives it that really sort of punky feel. 
which I think, you know, they kind of uh, grew out of a little bit, not too uh, long after that, really. It's a nice scratchy guitar on there, and I quite like the plinky-plonky keyboards. Um, drums, very much of the era, were like, with a big sort of, like, long fills and stuff that uh, was banned in the later years. But yeah, bits of it said a bit cliche, a bit Sham 69 or something like that. The backing vocals I did not like, and the drop-down stop bit was really took the energy out of it. But there is some energy in the recording, it just could have done with a little bit more time, I think, really, to put it together it seems, seems a little bit hastily constructed very wise very wise words there Alistair indeed Evan what did this one do for you I mean I just thought it was sort of classic witch trials fodder which I absolutely loved because witch trials is my favourite fall album so this is just more of that which is fantastic I've got to agree with Alistair in that I did quite like the um the sort of wiry guitar sound on it I thought that was quite nice and as much as people like slag off the witch trials rhythm section I actually think it has it's very effective in trying to do what it does and it's kind of a bit sloppy but I think that's kind of the point because they weren't sort of as put together as they are maybe in the later years to have that kind of almost sort of slapdash approach to it is kind of cool as well and I thought that Mark's lyrics as well they were sort of more if I'm getting it right and please correct me if I'm not but if I'm getting it right it's sort of like a commentary on advertising he's definitely having got other other bands who were uh, who were selling themselves and basically saying like we, we don't do that on their brand new spanking single what they're selling right now are saying how they don't sell out I did quite like it because it's one of the more it's one of the lyrical bits of Marky Smith that is a bit more punk in attitude I guess you could say because a lot of it is kind of very obtuse and um sort of very high literature kind of stuff whereas this is a bit more sort of punk in attitude and I've also got to shout out the keyboards because they are just like really thin cheap sounding keyboards but it always works for me because they just have a lot of personality to them which I love which I don't think they had as much of maybe in the later years when Eleanor got involved that came back a bit but yeah love it yeah yeah so the Yvonne would, would have been playing keyboards at this time Yvonne Paul right and um, that very thin wiry buzzy sound going through everything yeah I thought it would have been Brammer on guitar as well I thought doing lots of nice stuff but but pretty low in the mix there's lots of things moving around and Carl Burns uh, stepping up on the drums I thought the instrumentation that was put together actually was the most interesting thing but yeah the song as a kind of punky yeah it didn't really do it for me especially that that bit where it stops and it breaks down I like those backing vocals at the end that remind me of the undertones which is and I looked to see and Teenage Kicks had, had come out like two months before this and I wondered whether there was any influence there because Peel would have been playing that non-stop it even reminded me a bit of the Arctic Monkeys when he said, oh, yeah, prime movers. And yeah, I don't know, though. That put that the punky part of the fall doesn't do it for me quite as much. Um, so I think of some of the other punky ones, it's not one of the stronger ones. Like I mentioned, sort of uh, stepping out and lost orders before. I think the both of those are a little bit better. Yeah, maybe. But again, I think lyrically, is it's just too on the nose. Reform the old clans, year of the average man. It's the new leather sing. Spend hours on clever art and funny advertising quotes. It's, it's not the level that we came to expect. Philip, what do you reckon? 
Yeah, I, I, the first thing I wrote was punk exclamation mark. And it's, um, I think punk is one of those things that it's more fun to play than it is to listen to sometimes. And it sounds like they're having a lot of fun on this. I totally agree that the, the keyboard is definitely a high point on this. It really, it, it makes it work where it does work. That screaming clean guitar as well is, uh, is, is another winner in the, in the fall sort of, um, toolbox. The, the manic drums as well, it's, I've almost become a little bit deaf to it, but when when you hear them in in individual tracks like this, it's like God, the, the fall would not do this within like twelve months. Sacking the drummer will do that though, won't it? Getting a new drummer in, will will sort that out. And I think I'm 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 more of that kraut rock kind of sound really, where it's that I, I think works better. Um, but there's there's some really nice charming bits in this. I like the art brute hook of crash bang crash ring stuff like that. I think works really well. Yeah, the other thing I wrote down here is if you had Mark on your Mark shouting out sellouts on your bingo cards, then you've uh, you can mark that down for this one. It's uh, it's it's uh, one of his standard tropes, isn't it? I quite like the tune, um, even though I'm not big in punk. I I, I quite like this one, um, but it's I wouldn't rate it particularly highly in the in the fall oeuvre. Mm. I did like who didn't he believe his tricks? That is why he died. <laughs> that was a good line. Um, he didn't do the trick though. But in the film, they changed it so he died like underwater or something. They they, they changed his death in the in his bio, biopic, which is a, the Americans did it in the film exactly on the grassy knoll. Here is what that lad Ezra said. It's the new thing. Strange that it seems this was a side to the twist, twisted temper Adelia of futures and past, because I've got to say, F and P is a country mile better to my ears. I'm actually getting futures and past tattooed on my ball sack as Bra- Brendan attempts to imitate my brassy tenor. This is so I will not forget the next time I do a podcast rating every song of the Force discography and we run a second chance saloon episode. More of Mark slagging off the music scene, maybe mixing in digs at multiple bands. This is not always my favourite flavour of the fall, but I do like the non-tangential approach to a good slagging off. I think we should give him a world limit when he's not, when he doesn't rock up. If you can't bother showing up, you get 20 words. An essay. Not at all bad, but Mez Vox seems somewhat lacklustre, especially compared to previous Dicemen. Plus, it's quite a bit longer. Ads for new hotels look like science fiction films or revival gothic pigs will watch the skies, watch the thing, sage advice. A bit long. Goes on, went on a bit, didn't he? What about Tim? Let's let's listen to some more things being read out on this podcast. <laughs> So he's put uh, more good stuff with all the hallmarks of early fall. Bell-like chiming guitars, relentless drumming, snoopy keys. Not quite up to the sound and feel of Dragnet, but surely anyone will be pleased to put this out some early on. Very good indeed. Let's have a vote then. Alistair, which way are you going? I'll go with Iceman. All righty. Evan? New thing for me. Nice. Philip? I am a dice man. Okie dokie. How about Timothy? He's gone 3-2 for dice man. Interesting. Ezra's also gone 3-2 for dice man. So dice man does make it through, but Evan, don't be disappointed. In, in many episodes time, there'll be a second chance saloon where, who knows, it's the new thing might get another another day in the sun. But here's one thing I wanted to say. I wrote down a few notes from you, from your episodes that I thought were interesting. Um, it's some more of your own words which we're going to throw back at you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm being nice, you know. I you, you seem to be a big fan of Bricks, which 
you know, spoilers, we are too. But uh, yeah. what did you make of Brix's impact on the fall when she turned up? Well, I thought it was fairly tangible. I mean, it was. I was watching the documentary Wonderful and Frightening World of Marquis Smith, I think it was the BBC one, and the people in there were right where you could see that there was a lot more of a sort of tangible rock and roll influence coming into it, which I think the fall dealt with quite well because I know Mark's already a fan of rockabilly, and so just to have that kind of amplified, I suppose, did help, resulted in some great tunes from it. A bit sort of tailed off towards the back end, maybe, but still. Yeah, there was a few. This station Saving Grace, uh, especially. She, she just livened it up and made it a bit more poppy and gave him a new uh, kick up the arse. Who knows? We said this, what would have happened if she hadn't turned up? Would they have been able to to um, reinvent themselves or would that have been the end moving on to the next group so that the third thing tonight we'll listen to is Two Face off Code Selfish This is what Ezra had to say. A pleasant jaunt with proto-post-industrial guitars or synths grinding grim-faced along to Mez manifesting himself as the great bat villain Harvey Dent. I really love the diction on direction and dimension. Two-faced boat race displaced his face disgraced into two dimensions. Origin, horrible. It does all lead one to wonder what kind of boat race disgrace has led to the protagonists? split face. I like the economy of words here. <laughs> Obviously, he's got something to learn about that, hasn't he? There's enough to paint any number of debauched boat incidents into the mind of the listener. Sadly, the music doesn't make hay with the notion of split faces and psychotic breaks, but it's adequate fall meat and potatoes grind, which is enough. Is it enough, Philip? Is it enough? So I, I wasn't as aware of this one, um, not being completely off air with Cod Selfish. It's it's a bit of a dreary intro, I thought, the electro bit of it, which was not really needed or added anything. And then it bizarrely goes into this sort of oasis primal scream stadium rocker with uh, the, the use of well-rung out chords, which I know that you're a huge fan of. A really unusual showing from Mez as well, where it's it's like it's like Mez Jagger, isn't it? it? Where he's 
and I, I was going to make a joke of the lyrics, but I think I was just kind of beaten to the punch there. But I just, I copied out a paragraph from a rhyming dictionary and was just going to rub it on about ace and bass and brace and case and face and dice and stuff. Dimension at the end of it all. But weirdly, after a few listens, I kind of got into it. Again, it's got a, a charm to it. There's nothing about it that I could say is brilliant. There's nothing about it that I could say, yeah, that's the that's the hook that I really like. But as a as an overall song, I think if I was outdoors with a pint in my hand, I would sway along happily to this, waiting for the for the next thumper to come on. Really, I, I, it was a it's a decent festival tune, but outside of that, I, I wouldn't rate it too highly. Fair enough, Evan. What did you make of it, Two Face? Thought it was quite crap to be honest. Like, I didn't really enjoy it a lot <laughs> because I thought the intro with the sort of electro drum thing going on with the sort of noisy guitars, I never got in the sort of shift work why they went with like electronic drums because it just sounds so dated now. Like it doesn't sound good at all. And I thought when the main body of the track got going, the pace of it is just such a dirge. It's just like do 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 like it just goes on and on and on. I just I don't see the appeal of it. And Mark does fine, I guess, but there's like nothing at all about this track that interests me. I just cannot be bothered with it. Julie Get noted Get off the fence, say what you really mean. <laughs> Here's what I wrote, just to, to, to point my finger at you two. I love the lo-fi techno cowbell intro. Here's where I do start to agree with you a little. The tame and lame glam rock ringing out chords with plodding and weak production. Smith's buzzy kind of vox is the saving grace, not really a saving grace, but is the only little bit that I liked of Smith's kind of delivery, but not that two-faced bald race. It was just so irritating. <laughs> so I read some... I I heard someone like whenever like a writer really thinks something is good and, and, and wants to do it again and again, the editor has to cut that bit out because it's always the worst. And uh, the one thing about Smith is like he had no editor, right? But someone should sort of just taking him aside occasionally said, Mark, it's, I'm not letting you put that on the record. It's um, it's very very. Would you bad. take that advice yourself, Brandon? No, of course not, Philip. I, I'm the boss, <laughs> the boss of my stuff. Um, interesting. Two Face and Dice Man, both about characters that make decisions by uh, chance, and the only two songs I know of in the fall catalogue. What are the odds of that coming up tonight? That's two out of five. Two five, isn't it? Um, Proverbs of Hell apparently did quote. Uh, liberally from Blake around this era. He thinks at dawn, he acts at noon, he stays alone and in the evening. So maybe if he'd have dug a little bit more Blake and a little bit less rhyming dictionary, he might have, uh, might have won us over. Probably not. It's shit, isn't it, to be honest. Alistair, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, definitely a shade of brown. Um, yeah, called selfish and my favourite, really. I quite like that intro bit as well, Brendan. You know, um, I think if they'd have whacked that in the red, it'd have been pretty cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then it gets just sort of like dead, kind of like glam rocky or something like that, you know. But it's just 
dead vanilla at times. There's bits when like there's some nasty keys start going where it makes it a little bit more interesting now. But yeah, I also brought on here about the ringing out guitars, Phil. Um, so Brendan, what do you think of the ringing out guitars on this song? I'm not a big fan. I think it, I'm by no means a good guitarist, but I think if if you don't if you don't strum at least once every half a second, it's not it's not acceptable. The ring. The, what are you thinking? <laughs> I I do you know what? I completely agree with you. You're not a good guitarist at all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> here's here's how you need to hold the guitar if you're going to play that that sort of stuff, right? This worked well on the podcast. Uh, it's worked really well on the podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Spinal tap. I've I've never done that. I've never ever done that. For the people at home, if you you can't see it, but if you if you Google a band called Stray Dog Cafe, you'll be able to see the worst examples of that uh, in history. Um, what does Tim Three think of this nonsense? Trudging and bland, lacking impetus, lyrically dull, overlong, not for me. Very good, very good. So there is some consensus. It is up against a, uh, a pretty obscure song, a B-side from the 1990 Popcorn double feature song, Butterflies for Brains, which a few weeks ago, Al, you mentioned you heard an appeal session and thought it was a, a nice tune. Let's have a listen. As you did love this, I don't think that's too strong a word. Love this song. I think it is. What do you What do you think of it now, in retrospect? Um, it's it's all right. Yeah, uh, Back, backtracking then. <laughs> well, it's, it's a, a bit like the recycled "I Am Damo Suzuki." Same kind of like guitar and vocal progression, uh, not done as well as on Damo, but there's a bit of a monksy thing going on as well with the. Uh, you think? You think? <laughs> there's a bit of a monksy thing going on with it. <laughs> well, it from Extrica, and they they did their Black Monk theme on there as well, didn't they? So he's clearly been uh, having a bit of a monks thing going on at that particular time. Masha's keys are pretty loud in the mix, uh, and it's probably not one of her, her best moments ever. Having said that, I do like the discordant keys at the beginning and, and xylophone, and uh, I'm a bit of a fan of xylophone. Harry Brewer, I'd recommend. Uh, Madness LP, he worked with um, Ocean Kingsley, maybe even Jean-Jack Perry. By the resume. Mm, what a guy. What does Tim Three think of this song? <laughs> A little more interesting, but not too much. Can't help thinking that if it was done five years earlier, it would have been wiry and tight with some dread behind it. Instead, the weak indie sound and bored vocals undo any interest it might have. 
I like the organ. I like, sorry, I like the organ-like feel of the synth. The blood's all just running from it. I like the organ-like feel of the synths and lead guitar has a bit of charm in places. Just kind of left it open there, hasn't he? It's not like him, though. Think about past out. Mid-rant. Evan, what did this one do for you? It, it was all right. I mean, it's not anything particularly special when you put it up against the rest of the sort of extricate stuff because, I mean, you know, the groove's decent, in it? Like, the drums are fairly sturdy on this, and I thought that... Sort of agreeing with Alistair and Tim in a way, in that sort of the organs were all right, I think, in places, and I do like the sort of xylophone glockenspiel thing, but I think the the sort of solos later on when the organs sort of get a bit weird and sort of discordant and a bit all over the place. I didn't really see what the point of that was because they already had a decent thing going. And I didn't, I thought the guitars were just a bit sort of like, again, sort of like Two-Face was sort of a bit dirge-like where they just didn't really do much for me. There wasn't really anything to grasp onto there. And I thought Mark's vocals were a bit sort of meh. You know, they weren't really doing much, but it's definitely better than Two-Face was. Weird, indie, dull, soft, instrumentation and a non kind of fall-esque uh, chord progression butterflies for brains has to be the least fall-esque title for a song in the whole catalog it's it's so unusual i really thought it was a a, a cover doesn't sound like them i really liked it in some ways it is nice an indie done by another band if it was sung in a really soft style by kind of someone like uh, some on k records or something like that a, a twee indie kind of band like if Bricks had sung it like she did on Hotel Bloodell, I thought it would have been really nice. Unfortunately, Ooh. she was out of the scene by that point. Who, who would walk 10 country miles in a fat person's moccasin? It's the only uh, lyric that jumped out to me, but I quite liked it. Thanks to our friends over at the Annotated Fall for doing all of our work for us. Philip, what do you think? Yeah, it starts off with a Nino sound and then it it goes into another song which hasn't been referenced yet which is Love Street by The Doors um, it, it lifts that because the guitar part is very similar um, as well as the, the bass line and the chord change and then it goes into the monk stuff. So in some ways, it's it's like another one of those stolen cars that's made out of two cars welded together a little bit. It does work in its own strange way. It's not a song that I would instantly jump to put on, but it was. Um, it, it's it's almost as if the familiarity of those things gives it a little bit of a hook in and of itself, really, and and the way it plays around with dipping in and out of those those obvious references that he's making. I thought it was worth mentioning as well. That I got. A text from um, from Chris, who was on an earlier show, who's uh, probably most famous for liking systematic abuse. And when I, cause the I song. The song. No, not, like, <laughs> not the concept. You know, I don't you know. know. I mean, I've only seen the graffiti in the toilets, but uh, he'd mentioned this song to me a few weeks ago, saying that it came on in the car. And when I mentioned to him it was on Blissford to do, to do today, he said, oh man, there's something about that one that tickles my funny bone. It nearly crashed the car first time I heard it. <laughs> it's a strange taste, hasn't he? And if anyone else is out there that just wants to randomly send in things so that we can read them out, <laughs> feel free. 
<laughs> we're doing it today, aren't we? We might as well. We might as well just send all our comics to you, and you can just record them all. You know, as Ezra was trying to persuade me to do that a few weeks ago, he wanted everyone to write them down, and then we swapped them. He's, he's clever, though. He's very clever. He's very clever. Um, here's what he said about this with his, his uh, infinite wisdom. Do the voice. A weird number making hay of the monks again. The musical approach here may have worked better with Two Face than what we got. Here, there's an intense lethargy and ennui intertwined with tense eruptions, which feel very sonic youth to this listener. I <laughs> said, What? <laughs> I also like the. What's that? Is he listening to the same song as us? He's been, <laughs> he's been off and he's been on the pain thinner again, hasn't he? I, I also like that they raided Dr. Faustus' cupboard for some more fruity percussion. I will give him that. I did quite like the drums in there, but they were just mixed way too long. I really like the way the original Monk's lines get a cut in and overlapped with the original ones. Got a reason to live. Got a reason for praise. Rich on atmosphere, dread and torment with plenty of musical intrigue. Not quite a back-of-the-net fall, but certainly a gleaming curate's egg. I really don't get that, lad, sometimes, to be honest. (laughs) All right, let's have a vote. Alistair, Two-Face or Butterflies? Butterflies, please, Mr. Brendan. Okay. Philip? You know what? I've got to go for Two-Face. Yeah, 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 whatever. Evan, which way are you going? Butterflies, you don't even have to ask that question. I know, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Some people will say. Um, Ezra it's almost given... as if I'm just a, just a contrarian Brendan oh no you're not <laughs> Brains 3 face 2.5 so he has gone for Butterfly for Brains that is Ezra I'm also going for Butterflies and uh, Tim 3 the, not that it matters also on the Butterfly train alright it's a route and wisdom and sense makes out now quite where this is, next one's going to go I don't know but mad, oh. what's it called? Mad Men Eng... Eng Dog. Eng Dog. Mad Men Eng Dog. Blimey. Let's have a listen Stop to creative. that. Very much. Oh, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? 
So, Evan, one of the things I noticed when I was going through your reviews was you didn't have a lot of time for the skits and for. No. And, no so I'm coming no. to you. For, I don't want your views to be tainted by these chaps. I want to hear your your pure your pure opinion on this thing. <laughs> what do you reckon? Shite! It's complete shite. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Why? If you got an album, why would you have one of the tracks just be like two minutes of like crap noise and somebody babbling? Like I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand it. I just I, no. I don't even want to talk. It's, it annoys me. I don't like it. Fair enough. Here's what Ezra had to say. <laughs> <laughs> A revelatory triumph of autoconcrete insanity. Sounds like someone ate some bad beach boys. <laughs> Excellent, chaotic, entropic, and kaleidoscopic. Um, <laughs> it will amuse your soul. It's like a laughing stock and two barrels. Like an unrepentant old age lush, it is tragic, hilarious, sharp, and dull witted all at the same time. <laughs> It's beautiful to be in his world at times. If we could all take a holiday there just for a day or two and have a listen. Uh, Alice, go on. What do you reckon? I thought it was a lovely, crazy little sonic experience. And, you know, there was, yeah, got those like field recording qualities mixed in with some like studio pissing around. It had a nice rounded feel to it. Um, kind of stuff that ticks boxes for me. Do you like the more kind of out there shit a lot of the time it's got like that kind of quite rocky tape splicey fun aspect to it you know reminded me a little bit of Throbbing Gristle as well at times and the opening uh, vocal bit where he had a murmur murmur pull out that did amuse me it reminded me of um, uh, Eric Idle in Life of Brian uh, with, you know he was going he's mad he's mad he's mad he's mad all that stuff uh, but yeah I, I, I thought that was uh, quite pleasant yeah very good very good indeed <laughs> So, Evan, this is what, like, imagine you'd gone into a local pub <laughs> and you wanted a, just a nice pint of lager or something. And you looked around and everyone else is drinking turps and paint thinner. <laughs> oh, this is what this podcast has done to us. We'll listen to any, any any shite that Mark Smith has put together and we'll, we'll like, yeah, we, we voted. There's one called where's the fucking taxi cunt, which is like five minutes of talking. We voted that through. It, Why? <laughs> Philip, explain yourself. Come on. It's, it's broken us. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's just where we operate. That's our baseline now. So when I saw the title of the song, the first thing that I thought was British people in hot weather. And I was, I was thinking, oh, well, that one kind of grew on me, actually. So uh, I, w- I wonder if it's <laughs> to that song thinking it was all I'm thinking it was going to be like a bit of a cabaret one. And then you, you just hear noise and tape recorder clicks and Marky Smith doing that goon's voice of me, 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 I thought, oh, I better strap him for this one then and see what this is like. But at two minutes... It could have been a nightmare experience, but I, 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 do, I do think it spoils your 
to some of these, what Ezra would call music concrete kind of pieces has given me a bit more of an acquired taste for it. And I, I thought this was one of the better ones, uh, to be honest with you. I thought this was one where it, I kind of get what he's trying to do with it. And it, it does fall under that Stockhausen thing of, you know, finding new ways of listening rather than new sounds to make. Um, so it, it did grow on me. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of music concrete, but I, I did end up enjoying this one. Just looking at Evan's face, he can't believe what he's hearing. This <laughs> 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 person after person describes this species as genius. <laughs> I feel like I've hijacked your weekly meeting. I'm sorry about this. Yeah. I tell you, someone who won't like it, Tim Three. What does he think? I'll not have any type of this <laughs> shit, will he? Right. What does he put? <laughs> Madman Eng Dog. This is more like it. Not the most inspiring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not the most inspiring thing from the era. But at least there are some ideas there, and the tape recording layering is fun to listen to. Doesn't overdo it. Throwaway, but entertaining. So, lads, this this lad, fucking weather, isn't he? This lad Evans coming on, and he doesn't really like skits and stuff like that. Let's all tell him that, that Mad Men thing is fucking brilliant. That's the best one. It's the best one today. That here's what I've put. Seems like music concrete at first, but there's a song in there. It's got rhythm, chords. <laughs> it's so catchy. <laughs> I've been singing it all week. <laughs> it's got rhythm chords, but listen, every element has been sabotaged. There's a rhythm in there. There's a melody. There's there's a, the, but every single one of them has been just fucked with in every way possible. Why would someone make something like this? Uh, but <laughs> I did. Brendan, why would somebody make something like this? It actually you're, sounds you're like an artist, Brendan, aren't you? You know all about the art. I tell you what, to be honest, I've made a lot of songs that sound like this. If you randomly listen to any of my albums, you probably hit something like this. But I did like the pitched shift uh, stuff at the end. It reminded me all of that Square Pusher song. What's that? What's that Square Pusher stuff he does? That early stuff. What's it called? Oh, Chaos God, yeah. AD or something like that. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, this, the Chaos AD stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was just like a, a side project that he did. But yeah, there's this other stuff that Square Pusher did with the sort of like pitch shifted vocals. Where it, it works it, quite well. It'd be like that shit core, that drill and bass coming, and then it'd be some pitch shifted vocals in there. Yeah. I think he did it as well, Trans Am, a bit on uh, Future World. What's oh. shit car? Shit car. <laughs> don't know, but I'm not looking for it on the internet. Brenda's just said it. He goes, it's like that, it's like that shit car, and you'd have drills, bass, and then pitch shift your vocals up. That is exactly what he said. So this this predates the John Hamm uh, vehicle Mad Men by seven years. So talk about precog. Is that is that what shit car is? I'm not letting you, I'm not letting that one slide. Have you just made that up? No, make yourself so clever. Mad men, Mad Dogs and Englishmen is the song, right? You know that song by um, what's his name? No coward. No coward. That's what he's referring to here with this gem. Let's have a listen to what it's up against. Oxymoron off the light, a user syndrome, 1996. <laughs>
Oh, well, 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 indeed. Philip, Hepep, whatever it's called. Yeah, so it's, Hepep gets the new Prince treatment here, doesn't it? Where uh, they kind of revisit a song uh, on the same album and, and rehash it all, really. It's like a very, very different approach to it. Remind me of, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to like it at first, but as soon as I thought about that new Prince journey that I went on in terms of why have they done this to really liking it, um, it, it gave me a little bit of a different lens to, to listen to it. Is that, do you reckon, do you reckon all of this is samples or do you reckon any of that is performed? Because it's, I was wondering about the Bricks performance on this, because if she's doing that live, that's a great committed performance. I really yeah, like it. But I wasn't sure. Not that she couldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, she could. Timing's she, impeccable. Very consistent lady. Yeah, but um, it really reminded me of like sort of Beck, Dust Brothers type era production, the cold cut kind of approach to things. I had a few shandies the other night and, and had this on the headphones and really got into it. I, I thought it, it starts off with some noises that could quite easily be boring and irritating, but by the end of it, I, I thought they get some really nice layering going on the sounds are quite warm to this one fair enough each to their own what does tim think yeah it's a report another dreadful bit of shite that mows the end of a good record oh the truth may be somewhere between the two who knows <laughs> alistair what do you think uh, I'm pretty much on Tim Three side on this one. Um, yeah, the keys remind me of Manslaughter. I uh, put the Chris Eden uh, documentary on um, the WhatsApp chat this week. Like, uh, it's, it, it just sounds like they've got like the, the heavy metal setting, selected it like Frank Sidebottom would do, and, and just gone for it. Um, yeah, and I just can't get past the the, the, the Needham thing. It's naff. <laughs> and some of the, the vocals, the, the oh yeah bits amused me. Uh, it always reminds me of like John Prescott after Labour got into power in 97. It, it gets a bit industrial at times, but, you know, it's it's not XML Deutschland. Certainly is not. Uh, Evan, what about this one for you? Uh, I, I didn't like this either because I just thought it was like, you've made a good point, I think, in that it sort of sounds a bit like if you went on to like some primitive MIDI workstation in the mid-90s and this was like the default heavy metal instrumental track, it would probably sound not too dissimilar to this because it's nothing, like in terms of the instruments, nothing actually sonically sounds very good. Like the drums just sound a bit flat, the guitars sound irritating, the bass isn't that good. And I thought, I always, when I was talking about the light user syndrome, I often have a bit of a gold mark on this album for sounding sort of half asleep. But I think weirdly, this is one of the ones where him being more animated is an active hindrance. I just find this whole track very annoying to listen to. Just, I mean, at least it's a song. At least it's a song, you know, with cognitive <laughs> parts that go together. Exactly. But he's still going to get voted out. <laughs> Here's what I said. Um, I do not know what to make of this. Nice vocal samples over a very generic fall era track. Um, it just kind of bumbles its way along. And what really irritates me is that He Pep, which is a great song, not only got voted out and came back last week and got voted out again, and then this garbage is probably going to go through because no one else would like the uh, Mad, Mad Men thing. Um, check that out, you pep. Mr. Moody scruffed up, you pep. Oh, yeah, Mr. Moody scruffed up. Scruffed up, you pep. You pep. Oh, yeah, you pep. Oh, yeah! <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. What does Ezra say? 
He says, Oxymoron, not, or not, not. I can't decide a terribly good song off white user. It's bittersweet that they should nick Brix's vox off he pep to back it up just after he said goodbye to that rose among thorns for the second time. You could say it's the same difference, but I'd slap you. I do like the old can rumbling and the synth parps. It has a satisfying rumble and a can style Schmidt cloud of keys, which makes me wonder if the clang between Moody and Mooney was being played on in the music. Is Moody Pep an oxymoron? It's a very good question indeed. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. Let's get to business. Mad Men or oxymoron, Alistair? Oh, it's Mad Men, I think. Um, Philip? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Mad Men, I think. I'm going to leave Evan to the last and see if we can persuade him with just be sure peer pressure and numbers. <laughs> I'm going to go for I'm going to go for the the clear winner, the clear best song here, which is Mad Men. So Ezra has given Mad Men 2.5 and Oxymoron 2.45. Now, if my maths is good, that means Mad Men has got four votes so far. James got Mad Men as well. So again, no pressure here, Evan. Um, uh, is there a pass option? Can I just pass? Otherwise? You can. You could just, you could just yeah. have a drag of this cigarette instead if you. <laughs> you can. I like it. I don't want to vote for either of them. No. Pass. You know, I, I would not allow that from the regulars, but guests, they're they're special. So I will let you. I will let you pass. There, there are times when there's just nothing good to be said for either song. You know, so Mad Men goes through easily as the best track possibly of the evening. And I'm coming down to the last showdown, which is Black Roof off Sublingual Tablet 2015. About Tim Three. He's caught. Deranged little ditty. Love the UFO since the locked groove descending riff. Something about it makes me think of early stuff, like Bingo Masters reimagined after too much abuse. I like it a lot. Mm, good, good, good. Alistair. Loved it. <clears throat> so it was really nice, well written. Some really sort of like nice psyche grooves. Uh, yeah, the keys sound brilliant on it, all the delay and stuff like that. Great bass, nice production. Um, reminds me a little bit of Dukes of the Stratosphere, but I think with all the, the use of the delay and the effects. But yeah, they've got all, the, all the, the right kind of delay and reverb in there. Breaks down brilliantly as well halfway through it. Uh, we'll do some sort of like dead repetitive kind of like 
John Spencer blues explosion type riff, but uh, you know, there's qualities to it. It reminded me a bit of the magic band or something. Uh, but yeah, all the beginning bit is, is, is marvellous as well, though. I mean, it's the kind of thing, I think it's got like a real kind of like Julian Cope type vibe to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I did like that one and it was a bit of a surprise to me. So yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah, late era gem in many ways. Evan, what do you make of this one? I liked it. I actually, I really liked it because I don't, I don't know if you've watched that far in, but I really, really like Sublingual Tablet. I think it's one of their best ever, personally. I don't know how. I doubt that opinion is very much shared, but I did really like this because I've got to agree with Alistair as well about that. I did really like the keyboards on this. They were sort of had a bit of a sort of psychedelic, almost whimsical kind of thing going on, and that's kind of the same with the whole track. I think is that Mark has a sort of almost sort of whimsical airy thing going on and the, the groove was nice i thought you know there's a lot of very psychedelic textures going around like, yeah i liked it, it was nice sweet yeah we've actually um we've all liked pretty much all the tracks off sublingual tablets so far especially one a pledge we went and I, I don't think many of us know that album that well but it's a, it is a real standout in that era yeah yeah um so this is what uh, ezra had to say the greatest treats of this week's playlist are at the end of the fall road. It's a rarish and wonderful pleasure to have to pick between two excellent and fresh latter-day barnstormers. Black Roof bleeds with dark-hearted hex and menace and delightful maypole spun synth. If I was you, I wouldn't smile at present situations. If I was you, I'd never dig at the root. The grim-robed grimacing, as pungent as old cheese and as potent as waking to find a dead crow in the toilet spot on horrors all around does he normally speak like that normally just he's he just swears and he's barely legible <laughs> he's, he's almost always hammered as well i think he wrote like this in, Nesbitt, but exactly. <laughs> he wrote these in a brewer moment of clarity between hangovers i think this uh this week um i i said uh Magic synth riff, very Hazelhurst. It reminded me of something like the theme tune to Sorry or one of the... In fact, it really... I thought it sounded mm-hmm. like the theme tune to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the original, and I listened to it. It didn't, it didn't really had some some connections, but it was, it was that. And I thought, is this Eleni? Because she doesn't normally play anything that, that strong and that lead as a riff. And apparently Tim Presley wrote this, who was in... The, the the reformation band right the tlc reformation band and he's, he's done um, that drink stuff and and um, white fence and stuff so i wonder whether he did it because it is it's brilliant and i couldn't believe it was only like a, a 146 and a great song it's um it's really one of the best from that era and just so well put together and Mez is unhinged especially on that break where he's just gurgling and screaming um absolutely brilliant love it what about um Phil Rigby well I I I do like this album it's this is probably one of my favorite fall albums I I think it's brilliant and I think this is an amazing track from that brilliant um peak late peak for the band I think, like everyone's been saying, the the, the pa 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 hook is is amazing. Um, it, it doesn't take any prisoners as a song, and it's I, I love its go big or go home attitude about it all. I think it's another one of these tunes with uh, with Mez Jagger in the in the performance as well in in, in terms of his his performance on it. But you're quite right; it's it's like he's been drinking, like he's been at the petrol cap, isn't it? Before he's gone into the studio. 
And I, I think the, it's another one where they, they drop those beef heart turnarounds as well. It all works really, really well. So, yeah, great track. Evan, I wrote in a couple of the things I wanted to, to mention, and they haven't popped up naturally. More of so, your words. So I'm going to shoehorn them in. Unfortunately, I didn't spend as much time with the letter vids I would, I would have liked to, but you noticed that the fella who sang on Wonderful and Frightening with a really annoying voice, the backing vocalist, his name's Gavin Fry. And he's from a band called The Virgin Prunes, and we also massively disliked his contributions to those songs. What was it about his voice that particularly annoyed? He just stood like annoyed and nasal. Like, you've got a decent song in your hands, and then you've got some tosspot comes in. Like <laughs> there's some things in fall songs where they had a good song in their hands, and then somebody does something that completely messes it up, and it's really frustrating. I don't know if any of you have noticed that. It's like one of those uh, idiosyncrasies that you kind of. You sooner or later you get over it that he's going to have a good song and then at some point there might be something in that song that's totally ruins it and often after about the 50th listen that's the thing that makes the song work like that mad mad men thing is like every part of this song has been sabotaged but why gavin friday he seemed to have a bit of a soft spot for gavin friday any of you chaps want to want to um, throw a few more punches at gavin friday before we move on now he's down get him <laughs> I, I totally agree with all of that it's nasal wine that could have been easily done without yeah it didn't contribute a great deal uh, to the songs but yeah the, the old cutting off your nose despite your first attitude you're like mastering a, half your LP on a, a, a C90 cassette that kind of stuff you know just blatantly sabotaging your own stuff it's too good it's too good gotta make it more rubbish especially Room to Live's the one that he um, that he particularly gets cited as as a an act of sabotage across the entire album so he did Hex Induction and then he went back in the studio and, and recorded Room to Live without telling any of the musicians what the songs were or, or bringing them in on different days and uh, miraculously there's still some great stuff on, on that album let us move on to the final track tonight which is New Facts Emerge off the album of the same name 2017 the very end of the fall's tenure on this planet Off the charts, isn't it, on that one? I've I put a relatively generic Mr. Road-style riff, once again, from uh, Greenway, bringing out that same riff over and over again. But Mez is off the charts, wailing, gurgling, shouting. You better stop shaking now, man, folks! He's singing in French, and uh, just, oh, Smith just off on one. He's brilliant. <laughs> 
Evan, what did you make of this one? I'm a big fan of this song. I don't, you're talking about the sort of generic pub rock thing. I love that. So, you know, I thought this was one of Greenway's best riffs that I'd heard even. I thought it was great. I really liked the drum groove on it as well, that sort of open hi-hat thing. Love that. And I think as well, you sort of made a point about Mark's voice, which I think is true, where on a lot of the later tracks, because his voice is so kind of gargly and odd, he sort of is aware of that and it's used more as like a sonic texture rather than the actual lyrics, which I think is often appears to its benefit. And I think this is a key example. And I also think, again, the French backing does kind of add a bit of character to it. So yeah, I, re I really like this one. I mean, again, uh, maybe four fans aren't a fan of the big sort of chunky pub rock stuff, but I, I love it. it. It was some of the most popular era and, and a lot of people obviously do like that kind of thing. It just, it doesn't really, it doesn't really do it for me. They're really good musicians though. You can't, can't fault that at all. He played around a lot in those last few years with his vocals. We, we've talked about that a lot about how he really experimented with like different voices and things, which is really strange for someone that late in their career to do it. I know some people are said to do with his health and things and, and, and other things, but it's definitely intentional. Yeah, like, what is it, Folder Roll, I think, off of this same album is a key example, because obviously Folder Roll isn't a word, but him just there going, Folder Roll, like, he's clearly enjoying himself doing that and kind of pissing about with it. Nice. Philip, what do you make of this one? Yeah, it's a banger. Um, he's, he's rocking out some crazy on this on this tune. Uh, at the start of it, uh, it does, to my ear, go into some dangerous territory where it it could be quite stereophonics or fratellis in how tight and clean the, the, the music is. But as soon as Mark comes in snarling and wailing over the top of it all, it, it just adds that looseness that the, the rigid music needs to kind of, to just breathe. And to my ear anyway, it, it seems to add a relaxation to what is nailed down so hard by those the, the backing group. And like you say, Brendan, they are very, very good musicians. I, I think it says more about our aesthetic, really, that we see personality in the mistakes rather than what they what they get right. Floats our boat a little bit more. But all that, all that being said, it, it comes out the gates rage in this one, and it doesn't stop. It's absolutely the momentum is just at light speed all the way through, and, and not in a bad way. Not like it's it's rushed because the pace is actually fairly relaxed. Just a really great energy about it all, and I love the fact that it is play with these vocals it, it just keeps it all interesting so yeah so what could be very simple and boring turns out to be something really rich and textured I, I really liked it sweet well Ezra liked it too he said new facts emerge quite a few songs this week seem to have tried to pull off the old trick of Mez semi-coherently ranting along to a barnstorming rock beat oxymoron two-face even new thing maybe with varying degrees of success none of them quite managed to scale the peaks of new facts though it fairly sizzles on the hot plate some great bourgeois beating going on in the lyrics en français it doesn't need it but a drop of French action always elevates a work in my bourgeois opinion now back to buttering my haunches he likes it alistair do you like it yeah i do uh, it's got a, a groovy glam rock kind of riff reminding me a bit of sean and knife uh, the song shopping which is a uh, quite an amusing song you know a bit like susie quattro or something but yeah vocal delivery amazing do like that you know like smith when he's in that sort of johnny wellies 
kind of mode. It, it's very, very, very entertaining. Uh, it, you know, you could say it, it all sounds the same, but it all sounds different. Well put. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it is a bit pub rock though. The recording has got a bit of rawness to it. Yeah, I like it. Splendid. And what about Timothy to round up the opinions? Unless, of course, anyone else that you met in the pub this week or in the supermarket has brought out stuff for you to read out. <laughs> so I have a look in my coat pockets, actually, to Go see on. if I on the back of an oldie receipt. Timothy Trois has put, More prime later day Mare's Madness. I love the overall sound of this last record. Not sure musically it's up to much, but for a lot of the later stuff, my musical pleasure comes from the timbre of Mez. The barked rhythms, weird as fuck lyric fragments, and the sheer energy he gives while he must have been really ill. R.I.P. You beautiful man. Because it wasn't long, right? This is the last record. <laughs> it's a stormer, absolute stormer. So Ezra has uh, given two points to Black Roof and three to New Facts. So he's he's thrown his hat into the ring for New Facts. How about you, uh, Philip? I'm a Black Roof kind of guy. Alrighty. Evan? As much as I like both, I would probably go for new facts. Splendid. Alistair? I think Black Bruce are a beautiful little tune, so I'm going to vote for that one. Okie dokie. And um, what about Tim? Uh, Black Roof 2, New Facts 3. Interesting. And I'm going for Black Roof, which brings us to a tie. We're going to the fingers. We're going to the fingers. So what happens here, Evan, is you're allowed to give three points from zero to three for each of the songs and we will see what happens so i always get this wrong and i always have to go back and listen again so i'm I'm going to make sure i write it down properly black roof out of three points how many are you giving it hold up your fingers right now we've got three 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 and two that makes 11 in my book all right that takes it to 15 points and new fact he's trying to sneak an extra one in there a little finger on there that's four we got two, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm calling it eight. And that plus the six takes it to 14. So Black Roof ekes through by one single point. So that means Diceman, Butterfly for Brains, Remarkably Mad Men Ing goes through and uh, Black Roof. Justice may or may not have been served. Who knows? Evan, thank you very much for uh, stopping into our little store this evening. No, thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. Well, we appreciate your time and your your opinions and um, hope you keep making the vids. I notice a lot of your vids are, are more um, metal or, or kind of um, heavier stuff. Is that more where you, yeah, your taste line? True, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm into all sorts of different stuff. I do a sort of a similar podcast to this, I suppose, in a weird way with a friend where we sort of give each other a selection of songs and then review them when we go back with each other so i'd say watch that if you want to to get a proper taste of what i'm into all round but yeah that's the kind of area that i'm occupying Uh, what's that one called uh it's an ode to a magnus mills book and i've called it the not so forensic record society you can go and watch that send us the link and i'll put it in the description for the the show and um yeah appreciate it hopefully you'll you'll uh, come back maybe one day maybe when you get to round yeah. two or yeah um, i'd love to yeah splendid well thank you and thank you chat next week we'll be back for a regular episode and i believe alistair are you still up for bringing a futures and past to the table i think we can do that yeah all right Alrighty, well, take care, everyone, and I shall see you soon. Bye. See you, everyone. Nice to have you.